From the land of the rising sun to the barren, continuous desert of Qatar, F1 Brake Check is back to preview the Qatar Grand Prix. We'll discuss the latest news and rumors and preview who we think will go well at Qatar and who will bring up the rear. Stick around for the latest episode of F1 Brake Check. Welcome. You are listening to F1 Brake Check, the epic podcast for all things Formula One, where we discuss technology, history, news, and perspective with your hosts, Scott Vick and Corey Green. All right, so we're back with F1 Break Check. I'm Scott Vick, and with me as always is my friend and cohort and partner in crime, Corey Broon. Corey, how you doing, my friend? Hey, good. You know, we were talking about offline that, uh, you know, this week has been tough from a, a real-world work perspective. It's just been uh, very demanding. It's yes. Tuesday, and for me, it already feels like it's Friday. It's been one of those weeks. And the funny thing for me, at least, is I don't have a whole lot of meetings, which generally suck the life force out of you, but it's just been a lot of development type work. How about you? Yeah, a lot of, a lot along the same lines. It's just been very, very brutal. Lots of problems having to try to track them down and, and figure them out, you know, with very little to go on initially to point in the right direction so it's just very frustrating more than anything yeah. and you got other individuals who are being more of a hindrance than a help let's just put it that way job <laughs> justification yes exactly yeah. so you know it doesn't people, leave people a lot person. of time for you know cigar smoking and whiskey drinking but you know it's yeah. uh yeah. <laughs> hopefully the weekend will be here soon enough so yeah it's going to be a an action-packed weekend that's for sure yeah i'm looking forward to this weekend Yes, very much so. You know, we got the F1 race for us here in, in Texas land. You know, we've got annual OU Texas weekend is Saturday. So yeah. super excited about that. Boomer sooner. But um, <laughs> <laughs> so super excited about that. Daughter comes home from college this weekend nice. to go to the game with me and everything. So it'll it's going to be a it's going to be a great weekend. So. Well, let's start off with our Qatar preview. First of all, let's talk about the elephant in the room. I think we're all pretty much in agreement that Max will finish the job this weekend and claim his third driver's title. It's just a matter of not necessarily if, but when, because we do have a sprint this weekend. So depending upon how he finishes in the sprint and how his rivals finish, he could wrap the whole thing up on Saturday, which would, I believe, I saw a stat the other day that said this will be the first time ever that a world champion driver has won the championship on a Saturday. <laughs> wow. Yeah, and it's only because huh. of the sprint format would be the reason why we're, we may possibly sure. crown a champion on Saturday, which might make things very interesting for Sunday if you were to yeah. go ahead and, and win it on Saturday. And you know he's going to push for that, right? He wants to break as many records as possible, so I'm oh. sure he'll be pushing for it hard. Hell yeah. Last few podcasts, I've been Critical. optimistic, but I would say harsh. <laughs> Sorry. Yes. But, you know, Williams, you got to love Williams, first off. Yeah, I mean, you got to love Williams because they, they came out with the, the vote yeah. of confidence for him this well, week. Well, not, not only that, I mean, just, just as a team themselves, it just great group of, of people that have a great racing team. They've done so great this, this year. And now they're, they're coming out and saying, look, we're not going to Schumacher, Sargent. Yes, I did that. 
Schumacher. <laughs> <laughs> They're not going to kill him, you know, and, and at the end of the year and, and not help him out. So it was really good to see that they were very positive about him and really wanting him to be successful because the last few podcasts, I know that I've been saying <laughs> he's basically out. He's not going to do this. He's not going to do that. He's been crashing too much or what have you. And it's great to see that there's a team out there that has a willingness to go through and say, look, you know, he's made some mistakes, but we see maybe there's a diamond in a rough here. So we're going to give it some more time. They have not disclosed what the exact parameters are, but they have said that we have set certain targets for performance targets. Right. for Logan and that depending upon if he meets those targets will be to whether we extend his contract for to 2024 or not which I think is super fair admittedly Logan has been pushing a little harder than what he needed to the last two races and you know has had some pretty big shunts because of it mm-hmm. um just simply because he has been under so much pressure but i do think though that getting that vote of confidence from the team might just be what he needed to help him settle down and be more comfortable in the car and still push to the limit but not push so hard that he's stepping over the limit like he has over the last two race weekends like what we saw you know in suzuka and before in singapore yep definitely think that and hopefully he can return to the form that we saw you know even miami he looked good yeah and and especially the first couple weeks after the summer break he looked really really good you know i mean managed to get into q3 for the first time ever so it's i i definitely think that a testament to williams that they've given him that vote of confidence and i think it's also a testament to logan that he's going to be able to take and try to hit those targets and hopefully he can go well this weekend in qatar and put some of those rumors to rest yeah i I totally agree and there's so many correlations between the way that schumacher was driving towards the end of of the year when I'm sure you saw the writing on the wall and the way that Logan has been driving. So moving back to the race this weekend. So like I said, we have a uh, another sprint weekend where they're doing the newer formula, which I've gone on and on about how much I don't like the current formula for the sprint races. So we're not going to rehash that for the umpteenth time. We'll wait until after the race. (laughs) We'll we'll wait until after the race weekend for me to do that. It's going to be very interesting and very challenging for the teams this weekend because of Qatar's very unique nature for this weekend and the fact that they will have FP1 on Friday in the heat of the day, but then they will do qualifying for the race, for the sprint race during the the heat of the day, but they will do the sprint race at night, which the temperature difference and everything could take make for very interesting setup compromises based upon what the teams think that the the cars will do once the sun goes down and the track cools off right because being typical desert you know you you get a temperature drop is pretty significant and pretty fast once the sun goes down it's going to be very interesting and then they will take and do qualifying for sunday during the night on friday so we're going to have fp1 we'll have sunday qualifying on friday evening in the dark under the lights We'll have qualifying for the sprint on Saturday during the heat of the day, sprint race under the lights, and then the full race distance on Sunday under the lights. It's going to present some really interesting challenges for the teams in general. It could bode very well 
for some of the teams. We saw Mercedes went really, really well in the cooler temperatures at Singapore after this, well, cooler for Singapore because Singapore never seems to cool off. (laughs) But it will definitely be a situation that if they can get the setup right, I think it will definitely benefit Mercedes. I definitely think that McLaren will still show very strong form. I think we'll know even more come Thursday when we get the list of upgrades that all of the teams have brought for this race. When that gets released by the FIA on Thursday, that will will tell us a lot. But I, I really expect McLaren to still be very, very strong. Um, I expect them to really push Red Bull this weekend, just simply because the nature of the the Qatar track. This is only the second race at Qatar, so we don't have a whole lot of historical data to go on and everything, but, you know, knowing what happened during the last time they were were at Qatar two years ago, if they still only have the one DRS zone on the front straightaway, Mm -hmm. that's going to mitigate a lot of Red Bull's straight line speed advantages by not having that extended drs around other parts of the track you know about having a second or third drs zone that's going to mitigate a lot of their uh, straight line speed that i think that the mclaren will go very well and be able to definitely challenge red bull this weekend and ferrari's you know recent surge in form i think will also suit them very well at this track the red bull of max is going to still have the upper hand but i think that Mm -hmm. the the fight that if mclaren can really push max maybe push him into a you know an uncharacteristic mistake they could be there to pounce and i also think that even if max runs away with it on sunday i definitely think that the fight for second third fourth fifth all maybe all the way down to sixth or seventh place is going to be a super tight battle so it's going to be lots of fun to watch that's for sure definitely so one of the things that i I wanted to bring up uh you you talked about it at the beginning was with max so he's about to win championship this weekend going back to checo he's adrift almost 200 points from Mm -hmm. max same car we all know he had a, a pretty big lull at the uh you know, towards the middle of the season. What do you think is going to happen there? Do you think that Red Bull's looking around? Do you think that he might be signed for one more year and then they'll look at maybe Danny Rick or Lando? I mean, what what are your thoughts there? Okay, a couple things. <laughs> okay, first and foremost, I definitely think that because he is so far adrift of Max that right now all of Red Bull's that I think that this weekend their focus is helping Max secure the title i really no uh, and, and, yeah. and checo is going to definitely be in the more of a support mode for this weekend now having said that if max if everything goes red bull's way which there's no indication to say that it won't max sews up the champ the driver's championship and this way and at that point they've sewn up both the drivers and the, the constructors championship next race after qatar gloves are off yeah, so I think that that's, that'll be one thing, is I think we'll see Checo probably pay, play more of a support role this weekend just simply so that they can finally put the Drivers' Championship to bed. But after that, I think the gloves are off because right now I think that Checo is, he is literally driving for his life yeah. because never think that Red Bull is not always looking at the next oh, yeah. option. So they will never be hesitant to pull the trigger on a driver change. They've right. done it in the past. They did it with you they know, did it this year. DeVries. Yeah, they did it this year with DeVries at, at the junior team. They've done it at Gasly, at, at, Albon. At, you know, exactly. Yep. Thank you. So never 
think that Red Bull is going to stand pat until like the end of the season or until someone's contract runs out. If they think they need to make that change, they're going to do it and they're going to do it when when they think that it's most optimal. Like I said, I think Checo is literally racing for his life right now. And he'll be the good team player this weekend, but next weekend the gloves are off and he's going to do everything he can for the last few races to do everything he can to shine. Even if it means shining up his world champion teammate, he's going to do it because he, that's literally what he's got to do is he's got to make himself so attractive to Red Bull that they completely forget about trying to make any kind of driver change. Or he makes himself so attractive to another team. Say if he does get dropped by Red Bull, he's just such a phenomenal driver. You can just see that he's not driving like himself. He's driving like somebody like Mick Schumacher or Logan Sargent. (laughs) He's driving like somebody that has something to prove and not driving because he wants to win. Like you said, he's trying to drive for his life. That's Mm -hmm. just not a good place to be. When you're driving at 250 kilometers per hour. Yes. That's just not the headspace you need to be in. No. I would love to see him to get back to where he is because man, nobody fights better than Checo. I- I've seen no. him put up some phenomenal fights throughout the years that he's been in F1. I could not agree more. All you have to do is look back at his time with Force India yeah. and how good he was at Force India in a relatively, let's be honest, it was a grossly underfunded team. Force India was very much like Jordan was so its predecessor in its infancy where they constantly punched way above their weight. And a lot of that came down to Checo. He had a teammate, Lance Stroll, who was, you know, at best. And (laughs) But Checo, when he was the lead dog, he did amazing things with that car. Showed just incredible levels of tenacity. And I think that's a big reason why Red Bull signed him. I'm like you, I would like to see him get back to that kind of brilliance and that kind of drive to get back to that level. And I, I definitely think if there's any one driver out there who has that ability, I think it's definitely Checo. So staying in the Red Bull family, what about <laughs> Danny Rick? What do you think about well, him? You, you think he's back? So I have it on very good authority, providing he meets certain physical test parameters, Danny Rick will be back in the car this weekend. Nice. Alphatari came out earlier this week and said, no, Lawson's going to be in the car, which selfishly, knowing that Danny Rick will eventually be back, whether it's this weekend or next weekend, I really kind of hope that it's next weekend and that we'll get to see Lawson in the car one last time for this season. Because as you and I have both said in a number of earlier podcasts, the brilliance of Lawson, we've talked about it extensively how brilliant we think he is. Yeah. And I'll still continue to say it. I don't think we can say anything new, but I would really like to see him in the car one last time to really cement his candidacy for an open seat in Formula One. And because I think that of all of the test drivers and reserve drivers that we've seen this year, Mick Schumacher included, I think that Lawson is the one who is most deserving of a seat right now. With only three... Full races underneath his belt. He has shown just how brilliant he is. I think that even if Ricardo hits his performance targets in the physical space to get back in the car, I really think I really would like to see Lawson one more time in the car and then see Danny Rick back for the next race. Right. The other thing, too, is that I'm a little concerned that I know that Danny 
he's really wanting to get back in the car just simply because he basically he got one race he got in there and then got injured i think he's got something that he even if it's only in his own mind he has something to prove yeah to himself yep and to to show that that the accident at zanvort was a fluke it was one of those weird things i think he feels like he needs to get back in the car but at the same time i don't want him to rush it and end up not performing as as well as he could and I think that if Lawson were to go ahead and get one more run and Danny Rick were to sit out for one more weekend, I'm not saying, I don't think that would necessarily be a bad thing. Sure. What do you think? No, I, I totally agree. Give him time to, to heal a hundred percent. Don't get to, you know, because a lot of athletes, they'll get to, you know, 40, 50% and they're, Oh, I'm, I'm good. I'm good enough. In something like this, get a little bit better than just good enough. Yes, absolutely. So moving on to, well, we just talked about Sergeant. Uh, yep. Oh, so a good latest one. news. Go ahead and bring it up. Yes. Yeah. All right, then. So we got the news this week that the FIA has approved Andretti Autosports, or I forgot, they just changed their name too to reflect more of their international. Basically, they gave Andretti the green light to move forward with his bid to become the 11th team on the Formula One grid which I think is fantastic. Andretti has put together, I think, one of the better packages. He's got an absolutely incredible amount of engineering, aerodynamic, mechanical talent in the Andretti Autosport umbrella, especially with the IndyCar, with his IndyCar teams and his IMSA teams and everything. And, uh, you know, he's got an incredible stable of drivers going all the way through the IndyCar feeder series. So I think that what Andretti has put together, if he can get the car on the grid, I think he may surprise a few people. He's cleared the first hurdle in his right. bid. So now he's just got to get the rights holders, which is, i.e. the other F1 teams to finally quit being babies and, <laughs> uh, you know, and, and let somebody else, you know, come in and play. Right, exactly. <laughs> so, and then plus we would also actually get to see if everything works out, if Andretti can keep everything together, we'll have a very interesting new dynamic with Cadillac as being an engine supplier for the team and having Cadillac on the F1 grid for the first time in history. In its long and storied history in racing, Cadillac has never been in Formula One. I mean, they've won in sports car racing. They've won, you know, everywhere else, but they've never participated in Formula One. So to get Cadillac and their engineering know-how in Formula One, I think would be, uh, I think it would definitely be very interesting. Yeah. And at the same time with Ford coming online in mm. a couple of years, yeah. it, with the new rule changes in 2026, I definitely think that we would get another Ford and Chevy <laughs> wow. dynamic that in formula one which i think would be yeah. super interesting what's your uh, thoughts on a new team on the grid yeah you know i i'm i'm mixed to be honest i mix it in that i like the way things are right now i think that having 20 drivers out on track is a lot especially when we're talking about going through sprint races and things like that where there's just a lot of traffic and we were talking about the other day how qualifying is getting to be a little bit on the dangerous side too because you have some people that aren't on their hot laps and they're going really slow it's just a matter of time until somebody piles into them that is on a hot lap and somebody else that's on the racing line that shouldn't be so you're adding two more cars on on the the field the other thing that largely is unfounded fear i guess is that you're diluting the the talent pool by adding i understand it's just two more drivers but 
that's two more drivers that is just diluting it slightly. Those two drivers probably could have made it in the F1 at some point, but I have mixed feelings on it. And then on the other side of it, I, I'm, I'm thinking that we have a great new possibility that could bring more viewership to F1, especially in the, the States, where we'll have an actual, besides Haas, the funny thing with Haas is they have some great drivers. I love Magnussen. I, I think the world of him. Hulkenberg is just a, a, a beast. But yeah. They just don't have the car. I really think that with Andretti being on top, you know, being basically the CEO here and and performance engineering and all that that he has underneath him, I really think that we'll really be able to see a phenomenal car. That's I, a long-winded totally answer agree. to saying I'm still up in the air. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. I just think that with having the Andretti name back in Formula One yeah. is super exciting. Let me just put it that way. I think that it will, will do great things for the sport to have the Andretti name back in Formula One. Right. You know, not necessarily as a driver like it was with Mario and Michael, but having the Andretti name there as a team, I think it'll definitely be a good thing for the sport. Couldn't agree more. I yeah. think it's going to be good. Uh, but, you know, again, I, I have some what ifs that are in the back of my head. We'll, yeah. we'll see. I don't necessarily think that it's going to dilute the talent pool. Because yeah. like I said, Andretti already has a tremendous amount of talent already in his stable from not just from a driver's side, but also right. because he's got some of the best drivers in IndyCar are driving for Andretti. And he's got several uh, younger drivers who are who are currently coming up through the IndyCar feeder series that are going to be just phenomenal talent. So he, right there, he's already got a very good talent pool of drivers that he can pull from but he also has a very strong pool of talent from an engineering and an aerodynamics and mechanical perspective yeah. that he's also going to be able to pull from on the drivetrain side he's going to have all the talent and everything that cadillac has to offer sure one because of major being a major manufacturer but also because of all of their experience with producing powertrains in imsa and in sports car racing and everything that it's not a true apples to apples there will be a learning curve in there because the power units in formula one are considerably different from the powertrains in sports car racing but the thing is though is that they've got so much talent there and a lot of that talent has worked in formula one that a lot of what they already know will translate to the Formula One power unit. And even though, yes, IndyCar uses a spec chassis for the cars, everybody drives the same Delara chassis, they still, the engineering talent that he has over there, a lot of that talent and know-how will eventually translate to Formula One. So I don't really see it as being a problem with the talent pool dilution. You, the other thing, though, that you mentioned, though, was the qualifying. Now, I can remember back, we've talked about this before. Mm -hmm. I don't remember if we talked about it on the podcast or not, but a few air, weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah, but a few weeks ago, we talked about how people were saying that Hungary, where the track was so tight and everything, that during Q1, they had guys tripping all over each other because of that. And myself, I can remember the days back when they would have 12, 13, 14 teams show up and you'd have 26, 28 cars entered where we actually had to have pre-qualifying. After FP1, right? yeah. the slowest lap times from FP1 and, and FP2 
would actually have to go out and do a pre-qualifying just in order to get into the regular qualifying. <laughs> and I think that, you know, depending upon the track, I definitely think that the idea was floated by somebody, I forget who, earlier this year that said that maybe it's time where we take and we start have to start dividing FP1 up into two separate sessions. So instead of being a 30-minute session for everybody for FP1, Maybe now we have two 15-minute sessions in FP1 and divide the drivers into groups based upon their free practice times from the weekend into what whether they're part one or part two of the qualifying. So if we start getting too many cars on the grid that I think Formula One will start tinkering with the qualifying sessions in order to accommodate for for those extra cars so i'm not too worried about that either but anyway i've beaten this horse to death so let's go (laughs) on to our last topic or one of our last topics for today and one of the things is i saw a really cool infographic yesterday about lando norris that i i forget what the exact numbers were so please don't come at me for that but it was something about how in lando's the first eight races of this year He scored a sum total of, I think it was like seven points. And in the last eight races, he scored like something like 140 something or 150 something points. (laughs) And it just goes to show the difference that once the upgraded car came online at Austria and ever since then, it has just been lights out for McLaren, whereas yep. over the first eight races of the year, they were just absolutely dreadful. Right. But the first half of the year, Lando's best finish was sixth at Australia. And that was actually kind of gifted to him. The car, you know, if you remember correctly, he qualified way down in the order with him and Piastri. And it was only because of some of the retirements and the other carnage that happened in Australia was the only reason why he was able to come home in sixth. You know, through the first two races and Miami and Spain, he came in 17th in all four of those races. The turnaround for Lando and for McLaren that just goes to show that once McLaren gave, as we've said time and time again, that once McLaren gave Lando a car that showcased his talent, he has grabbed the bull by the horns, as we would say here in Texas, he has grabbed (laughs) the bull by the horns and he has ridden it just as hard as he can through the last few races. Right. So, Well, you know, it's funny. I remember we were joking about at the beginning of the year, I think it was third or fourth race. McLaren still had zero points, and we were laughing about how both drivers had as many points as Danny Rick, and Danny Rick didn't have a car. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. I remember us joking about that, how after the first two races that McLaren had the same as a team and as uh, the drivers each had as many points as Danny Rick did, who wasn't even in a car. So, <laughs> so we it's were so kind of making true. <laughs> yes. No, but, we can't say that know, anymore, fortunately. No, we McLaren. cannot. I never, you know, even at the beginning of the year, we made the joke and everything, but I knew that it really, at least was in the case of Lando, the jury was still out on Oscar. But we knew that, I mean, we knew Lando had talent, but the, we also knew that the car just was not there. Oh, yeah. No we didn't it. realize... And McLaren didn't really let on about just how bad that car was until the new spec came out at Austria. When they introduced the new spec at Austria, it was like flipping a switch. It went from being an absolutely dreadful car that was absolutely undrivable. And then the new spec car comes along 
and the new spec car in both Oscar and Lando's hands is just, it's a phenomenal car. Really? It really is that I think, like I said last week during the our Suzuka podcast, that if this were the car that McLaren had been able to give Lando and Oscar at the beginning of the season, I think we would have seen them, you know, they're already challenging Red Bull now, especially over the last two races. They are challenging Red Bull and challenging them hard that I think that they would have been even more of a challenge to Red Bull's dominance had they had this car at the beginning of the season and had been able to develop this car from the beginning instead of having to go down that road with that dreadful car for the first eight races to now all of a sudden have a really good car, which really makes me very excited for next season because oh yeah, because they've done so well with this car and because the car is able to challenge Red Bull, and they're consistently finishing on the podium. I think that they're already working on next year's car, and next year's car should be brilliant. Yeah, I'm, yes. I'm excited for it. I'm excited for this next race, really. I'd love to yeah. see what happens with Lando and, and even Piastri, what it, how much they can challenge Red Bull. And I think that Qatar is definitely a track that is going to suit yeah. the McLaren very well. And like we said earlier in the podcast, I think that Red Bull's straight line advantage is going to be mitigated just a little bit at Qatar. But I think that it's definitely a track that is going to suit the McLaren very, very well. And so I think that it's like they should have a very, very good weekend. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Well, I think it's time for us to go ahead and bring this puppy home. We're going to be coming to you in a couple of days' time after the Qatar Grand Prix. So we'll be talking about, in all likelihood, a third World Drivers Championship for Max Verstappen. And we'll talk a little bit about, you know, where that puts him in the pantheon of great Formula One drivers. We'll talk about all the other news and happenings from the Grand Prix. And uh, we'll look forward to the the remainder of the season. We'll go ahead and call it a day. And we'll say, see you later, Corey. And we'll talk to you in a couple days. Sounds good. Thank you for listening to F1 Great Show. If you have enjoyed what you heard, don't miss a single episode by hitting that subscribe button in your favorite podcatcher. Also, help us grow by sharing us with your friends and fellow F1 fans. We value your feedback and passion, so please take a moment to review our podcast. Your reviews help us grow and improve, and it means the world to us. Share your thoughts, rate us, and let us know how we can make the show experience even better. F1 Break Check is a production of Break Check Media. For your hosts Scott Dick and Corey Broom, until next time stay inside track limits, and try not to pitch it in the kitty litter.